welcome back, friends. Welcome. Yay, welcome. Thank you guys so much for listening. It was a really great week, and we appreciate all the feedback. We really got some awesome words from friends and listeners about how much they love the show. You guys are so sweet. I can't believe that uh, you guys actually listened to this. <laughs> yeah. And also thank you for rating us on Apple Podcasts because that actually helps the podcast a lot. So for everyone who rated us, thank you. And if you haven't already, go over to Apple Podcasts and rate us and uh, let's keep the show going. Five stars only. <laughs> <laughs> so Jen, how has this week been for you? Uh, tough week. Tough week for the world, I'd say. Um for those listening, uh, we are coming off of a week um, after the passing of George Floyd at the hands of police brutality. So uh, in the middle of a pandemic, that has seemed to mean something very different. Um, social media was wild and wild. an emotional week, I think, for everybody. Um, and it was tough. I think our episode was planned to air June 1st since its inception and uh, we had to have some tough conversations about what we wanted to do. And I think we both came to the realization that, you know, it was a time for people to amplify Black voices, including our own. So we released the episode and we got a lot of good feedback from all of you. So thank you so much for just creating that moment for everybody. Um, but yeah, it was it was a rough week for me personally, emotional and, and, and exhausting. Um, how was it for you? Exhausting. Yeah. exhausting that's that's like the word you know um you posted something on instagram about you know all the things we're dealing with already um you know we're in a pandemic i'm not working because you know i can't work from home so i'm worried about that um i'm worried about my health and trying to keep healthy and then to add to all of that this happens and you get to the point where you're just exhausted you're tired and you can't look at another thing or do, you just don't know what to do. So it was a very exhausting week. And you're right. We did have those hard conversations, but I'm really happy that we put this out because I'm so proud of the work we've done. We worked really hard. We've been talking about this podcast since January. You know, I've been ruminating about this podcast for four years. So it's, I'm glad it's out in the world. I'm glad we made the decision to, to go forth. And I'm proud of you. E. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, friend. Yeah. Um, what has been keeping you sane this week? What have you been what have you been up to? Um, I've been trying to stay away from social media. Girl. <laughs> that has been one of the most important things for me this week. Trying to work out where I can, but you know, it's it's tough. What what actually really did help was I met up with a group of friends. You know, we went to a park and we socially sat, socially distancedly sat. What how do you say it? I don't even know how you say it. But you know, we just sat and we talked, you yeah. know? And that was really, really good. And I'm very I'm so grateful for the friends that I have um, that I've been able to connect with during this week who have supported me in every way that they could. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. I am um, not ready for people yet. So I, um, I know we might be doing spoiler alert, a little mailbag episode at some point, but we did have some questions and somebody asked me what soup I was cooking. Cause I did mention that at the end of the last episode. Um, but guess what? As you know, Anastasia, we were talking uh, offline and I don't have a fridge or I did not have a fridge this past week. Okay. So uh. this came up and I just didn't, you know, you know, when you're like, you know, 2020, 
best year. What? Down 2020. It all the way down. It's been rough guys. How can ever, and then you don't have a fridge. Right. So um, the fridge is broke and, you know, New York City landlords, they never in a rush. So um, we had no fridge for four days. Um, She was on Seamless.com, on Grubhub. She was going directly to the site to support local businesses so that they're there when the world stops burning. I did not make any soup this week, unfortunately, but I will um, have more soup updates next week. Uh, At least you have you have a fridge now, right? I got a fridge, girl. We got ice and everything. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Anyway, here we are with episode two. For episode two, we got to interview Emily Abate. Emily Abate is a journalist and a podcaster. I first met her at a Nike event and we have um, a few mutual friends. She's a health and fitness writer and has a really great podcast called Hurdle. I've been following her since before she started Hurdle, which is a very successful podcast. She has talked to athletes like CrossFit champion Rich Froning. She's talked to Des Linden, who won the marathon, which I know is very close and dear to your heart, especially, Jen. Kill you. (laughs) But Des Linden um, won the Boston Marathon in 2018 and is a two-time Olympian. So yeah, she has really done great stuff with her podcast, Hurdle. Uh, I love this episode. Once again, I was a spectator. Fun fact, uh, after this episode, I really set the wheels in motion personally. I was hesitant to release the music that you hear at the beginning of this episode, Wildfire. And I literally started creating a rollout plan directly after interviewing Emily because she inspired me so much. I asked her, you know, how do we start and how do we finish? And she had great advice that you'll hear during this episode. And that's why this (laughs) theme song is what it is. And that's why this song is out in the world. Um, So I just personally want to thank her for being such a go-getter and for inspiring us. And I hope that you get as much from the episode as we did. Yeah. So, you know, Get out a pen and paper and take some notes on this one because it's a good one. Here's our episode with Emily. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the non-traditional podcast. I want to start how we start every podcast with the exact same question. What was your earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Like the earliest, earliest? I think for a long time, I knew that I wanted to be some sort of writer. When I was little, I would keep different volumes, as you might refer to them, of spiral notebooks, each of them a journal for, you know, four or five some odd months. And then I would move on to the next journal and each journal would be collaged with clippings from different magazines. And so I don't know if I have a specific memory, but from a young age, writing was something that really intrigued me. And I knew uh, that storytelling would be something that would certainly have uh, a big part in my life for sure. So when you grew up, as they say, <laughs> when, you, when you grew up and it came time to say, okay, what am I going to do to make money and pay rent and all that stuff? How did you pursue that? Did you stick with writing? Did you say, okay, I'm going to go to school and try and do this? Yeah. So I grew up in Connecticut and went to the University of Connecticut. And there I was a double major in journalism and political science. And I kind of started veering more toward the journalistic path when I was a junior. I had such a 
interest in case law and why things are the way they are. But I knew that from a lifestyle perspective, writing was just more my vibe and the opportunities that could go hand in hand with that. So I got my first journalism internship at Fitness Magazine when I was a junior heading into my senior year. And although not around anymore, Fitness Magazine was the most fun experience to do all of the things that we see on TV and in the movies about what it looks like to work at a magazine. And a lot of those things held true. You know, the the glamorous lifestyle of walking in and having a little bit of uncertainty around the editor-in-chief and doing everything from looking into new workouts, having, you know, been at Fitness Magazine to working, to looking at new workouts, to uh, writing about different strategies to take on your next 5K, to, you know, sitting in a sample closet and weaving through boxes of sneakers. And of course, writing for the magazine and all of that was well and good and and really educational. And so that internship really made me uh, feel positive that I wanted to get into the journalism industry. So after I graduated from UConn the following year, I had a quick internship at uh, the Hartford Current on the web team and then moved to my next internship, which would be at a company called Cafe Mom. And that uh, internship turned into my first full-time job as an editorial assistant. And what was awesome about that opportunity was I could write about almost anything and that we covered everything. A company called Cafe Mom, uh, obviously having mom-targeted content, but also healthy living, uh, food, lifestyle, uh, travel, news, and entertainment. So it was a really great way to get exposure to all different types of writing and working in a real office environment where we were cranking out content regularly. I think at the time when I worked there, we were publishing between, you know, 70 and 90 times each day. 70 and 90 times each day? Yeah. It was just like a daily woman's lifestyle blog. And we were at the time really, you know, kind of paving the way on the internet with with some other of the big names that you see regularly today, Huffington Post um, and that kind of stuff. Right. Now, you know, for some people who might know you, you tend to write a lot more about fitness, especially running, sports. Why did you sort of go down that path? Like why, you know, you're saying you started out with Cafe Mom, which is more sort of, you know, general everyday stuff. How did you sort of narrow that field into what you do now? Yeah, I think at first I dreamed of being maybe an entertainment journalist or writing kind of lovey New York City, I want to be Carrie Bradshaw (laughs) stuff. All of us. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized quickly that I was such an awkward duckling when it came to writing love and sex and dating stuff. So that was not going to be my path. And that the entertainment stuff was interesting, but a lot of the time, some of this entertainment content can be, as we like to refer to it, clickbaity and just running after the gossip. And it just didn't seem to be something that felt super fulfilling to me. So at this time, uh, when I was a young journalist and had shortly after starting that job, about a year and a half into it, I moved myself into New York City from where I was living in Connecticut. And at this time in my life, I had a really vested interest in wellness and health and fitness in that in college, I was 
what I would say to be overweight. I was over 200 pounds. Uh, being over 200 pounds at the time, I really wasn't happy in my own body. I felt uh, really alone and certainly not like who I knew I wanted to be. And so the biggest mission for me was to feel better in my own body, to feel more at home. And that brought me on a journey to some weight loss. So in college, uh, I lost about 70 pounds from the end of my freshman to the beginning of my senior year. And so being a young journalist in New York City and having this vested interest in health and wellness and being a new runner and running some of my first marathons, uh, half marathons around this time, I knew that health and fitness was something that I was passionate about. And it was something that I slowly started to write more and more about starting with my job at Cafe Mom and then transitioning to what would be my first full-time job as a fitness and wellness editor at a company called Rodale, which used to own women's health, men's health, bicycling, runner's world, and all of those active titles. Nice. Now, you talk about hurdle moments, and it kind of ties into uh, a question that we ask all of our guests, which is, what's a moment that in your life would be considered a failure outwardly that kind of led you to your current success, something that at the time may have devastated you that, that, you know, you couldn't have lived without now, you know? Yeah. I mean, my personal hurdle moment definitely uh, circulates around that weight loss in college and stepping on a scale, seeing that number being over 200 pounds, having a bit of shock for sure. And then doing something at the time that was so not instinctive to me, which was throwing on some sneakers and running down the road until I couldn't run anymore, which was probably, let's be honest, about 32 seconds and just falling into the grass and looking up at the stars and knowing in my gut that I needed to make a change. That moment was really defining for me. But beyond that, I mean, I think there are as many as I'm sure so many of your listeners can agree with that we all go through so many different defining moments uh, as as the days and the weeks and the years go on. And another quote unquote failure, I mean, I have been uh, let go twice from two different jobs in publishing. It's just really the nature of the industry uh, going through corporate layoffs. And so I remember so distinctly my first time going through this being, I want to say, maybe 25 at the time. And I had just moved out on my own for the first time ever. I had so many bills to pay. I had my rent to pay. And I, in the middle of the day, got called into my boss's boss's office. And there was a woman from HR sitting there. And they told me that I no longer had a job. And I remember just looking at her so lost and thinking, no, like this isn't happening. This isn't something that is happening to me. It can't happen to me. No, no. And I just kept repeating the word no. Mm. And what happened after this shock, and of course, as I would call it, a hurdle moment, is that five days later, I was sitting in One World Trade interviewing for what would become my next job and my dream job at the time, which was being a fitness editor for Self Magazine. And so I think What's so important for us to remember and kind of go back to when we meet these challenges head on and when we approach these moments of adversity is that you have an opportunity in all of these moments and throughout all of these hardships to look at these quote unquote failures as opportunity to learn from this hard stuff. And if you choose to look at a failure as a failure, then you have no one to blame but yourself for coming out on the other side and being disappointed. But if you choose to look at a failure and meet it with optimism and meet it with this 
attitude that you have the chance to do something good with that hardship, well, then that's when, you know, the growth really happens. And that's when we can look toward and find our, our deepest potential. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It's so fun. Like just listening to you there, I've been following you for a while on Instagram. We have mutual friends and have been in the same rooms together. But when I follow you, you have this sense of just, like you said, you know, you know, looking at failures in a different way or, but you have this positive sort of that didn't work. I'm going to move on to do the other thing. How did you find this? Like, I would say trait in yourself. Like, do you have mentors? Do you have someone who mentored you through all of these? Is this just Emily and it just comes from inside? Like, how did you develop this? Yeah, I think a lot of my grit, as I would like to call it, uh, and if you haven't read Angela Duckworth's book by the same title, do yourself a favor and pick that up. But I think a lot of my grit comes from being my own boss, so to speak. As I mentioned, I landed my dream job at the time at Self Magazine uh, in 2016, and I got to do all of the things I ever dreamed of doing working for a magazine, from being on set for photo shoots to working with celebrities to writing multi-page features uh, for the middle of the book. I mean, it was awesome. And at the end of 2016, uh, out of nowhere, it felt like we found out that the magazine was folding. And so I was thrust back into this climate of uncertainty and started to slowly embrace being a freelance journalist, which meant that every day I wake up and I have to go out and find my own money, right? It's not just, oh, I'm going to find an assignment here or there, but it's like, what can I do to support myself? So that started to look like different things, right? I mean, these days um, I have income and streams coming from many different places, whether it be corporate speaking opportunities. Of course, uh, my podcast, which is called Hurdle, um, is another way that I uh, come across some revenue. And then, of course, uh, writing and editing content for a variety of different outlets, ranging from still self.com to GQ, women's health and men's health, and so many more. But for me, this you need to pivot mentality, this everything's going to be okay, you have the opportunity and you can find another way when things aren't going as you'd hoped. That comes from being told no a lot. And that comes from quote unquote failing a lot. Again, these hard moments, all of the things that aren't going as we'd hoped. And I think a lot of your listeners can probably relate to this, especially right now with what's going on in the world. This challenge is an opportunity. And I know that I use that word opportunity a lot, but I think that that's why I have this level of grit and this positive perspective is that I know that so much good stuff can come from the hard stuff. And you mentioned and asked, did I have a mentor? I certainly have a a variety of people that I look up to, whether it be, you know, my own family, my parents, uh, my brother, and um, I'm certainly very close with my cousin, Mark, who I look up to for a lot of advice. But beyond that, I certainly have found mentors in my field and outside of my field who have helped guide me along the way and who I can go to when I'm, you know, not exactly sure where I should go or where the road may lead and looking for a little bit of advice. And I'd say, that that's something that I sat with for a long time. I think often we're asked, well, who inspires you? And I had an honest moment with myself 
you know, a year or two ago where I asked myself that question and realized that I was having a hard time answering it. And it's not that I don't find many other individuals to be inspiring and that there's not inspiration all around us, but I needed to be able to clearly articulate the answer to that question. And having trouble was kind of like a red alarm for me. So I started to open myself up to be looking and in you know, on the quest for greater sources of inspiration, really keeping my eyes open to get the most I can out of not just what I'm taking in on a regular basis, but also the advice and, you know, the takeaways that the individuals that are willing to give me their time uh, that I can get from those as well. Right. Right. You're very goal oriented, like super driven. I, I I think it's something that, you know, when we set goals, it's like the woman we all want to be. You've set a goal and you go for it and you stick to it. What sets you apart from the majority of people who set goals and kind of fall off of that? You know, I, and not that that's, there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but you know, it's, it's a trait to be admired for somebody who can say, I'm going for this thing. I'm following through. Follow through is really hard for a lot of people. What sets sure. you apart? For sure. And I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I don't know if I'm you know necessarily set apart from a ton of people, but I would like to say that I've worked pretty hard to figure out the right method to my madness and that the biggest uh, strength that I have when it comes to my goal setting is setting smart goals. And that means specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. And so when I set a goal, let's take that weight loss into uh, the picture here. I knew I wanted to lose weight. I never started that journey and thought to myself, all right, I'm going to lose 70 pounds. I thought to myself, my goal here is to be healthier and happier. And no matter what the number is that comes hand in hand with that, I will you know, succeed because I'm going to make this goal something that is achievable. So that meant setting smaller, more incremental goals that I felt were within my reach. You know, if you start at the beginning of a journey and you have this huge lofty goal and you don't stop to celebrate the small wins along the way, then I'm going to guarantee you it's going to be really hard to run after that big goal if you don't stop to celebrate your progress as it happens. So along the way for me, setting those specific measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound goals, a goal for me could be, okay, within the next two months, so that's a, you know, a timeline, within the next two months, I'm going to be able to run a mile without stopping. Mm-hmm. And that's a smaller goal. That's something that isn't I'm going to go run a marathon. That's all right. I'm going to get out there and run a mile without stopping. It's smart for sure. It's definitely doable. It's certainly realistic. And again, it's time bound because I'm giving myself that deadline. So I think when it comes to my goals, whether again, it is an athletic pursuit or something within my business, I really try to take a step back, look at the bigger picture, understand what I'm capable of and be honest with myself. And that's something I can't stress enough is I think that a lot of the time on our quest for greatness, sometimes we want to stretch things, right? We want to stretch the reality. We want to believe that something might be happening that's not happening just yet. And you owe it to yourself. We all owe it to ourselves to embrace the journey as we go. Be honest with ourselves because when you're honest with yourself about what it is that's happening and what it is that you want, that's when you have the opportunity to really go after your full potential. Right. Yeah, I love a smart goal. I'm somebody who loves to, to check boxes. So smart goals <laughs> are my life. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. Um, 
just going into a little bit of nitty gritty here, for someone who is just starting out, you know, either they're in college, about to go to college, a lot of you know, high schoolers are graduating right about now, or someone who's trying to pivot into journalism, specifically what you do. Do you have any realistic advice? Because media, journalism, it is a very volatile field. It's, that's just what it is at the moment. What realistic advice would you give someone who's looking to do that? I think a few things. First of all, it's really important just to start. So even though you might not have any big, so to speak, editorial names on your resume, that doesn't mean you don't have the opportunity to put yourself out there. So whether that is with a blog with your social media, with creating your own podcast, making videos on YouTube, whatever it is, anything is practice. And that gives you a platform to go from, right? That gives someone who may want to employ you, a potential employer, an opportunity to see what it is that you're capable of. And a lot of the times, I mean, think about it. If you are the employer and you have two people in front of you, one who has something that you can look at and someone else who's just telling you how awesome they are, well, you're going to probably go with the person where you can see what it is that their potential is and that they have a good work ethic. So don't be angry about the quote unquote opportunities that you don't have yet. Instead, do what you can with what you have to give yourself a leg up on other potential applicants or other people that might be going for the same job as you. And then I think the best thing that I've done in my career and what I would advise to other career journalists is find that topic that really lights your soul on fire. Find that area of expertise that you want to give your all and really go after it and do everything you can to become an expert in that area. So for me, for instance, since I write mostly in the health and wellness space and doing that, I thought that it was really important to be able to create fact-based smart content with the experts that I'm interviewing on the regular, which meant that shortly before starting itself, when I was still at Rodale, I studied for my personal training certification, not because I wanted to really train clients in real life, but rather because I wanted to make sure that if I'm talking to an expert and they are recommending to me a certain type of workout or certain reps and sets, for instance, I wanted to be able to co-sign what they were telling me so that I knew that my reader was getting a good, safe, effective workout. I also then became a certified run coach. And so I have really done so many things to make myself an expert in my field. And that's just obviously for me in the fitness side of things. If you want to be an entertainment journalist, if you want to be a tech journalist, if you want to be a political correspondent, I mean, there are so many things that you can do to brush up on your field to make you more of an authority in your space. And that's probably the best thing that I've done in my career. That's awesome. I would say, you know, always be learning. Always Always learning. (laughs) Always be learning. So question for you. Now you have your hand in a lot of pots. You've talked about many streams of income. You've really diversified your career. And I'd love to know for someone like you, what does abundance look like? Is it 20 more marathons? It is a continued elevation of your brand. Is it, you know, like, is it mentorship? Like, what are you looking for to have a fully abundant life? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that sets my heart on fire more than having the opportunity to connect with young women and make them feel like they aren't alone. When I 
do hurdle specifically, uh, and I have you know this opportunity to hear from listeners, it is truly a moment for me to hear from someone that I have made them feel proud or capable or so many of the things that I myself, when I was that age, didn't really feel at all. You know, when I was in my late teens, early twenties and going through this big hurdle moment, so to speak in my life, I felt super lonely and felt as though no one really understood me. And, you know, speaking of media at that time, you know, I didn't open a magazine or look at advertisements for the stores that I wanted to shop at and saw anyone that looked like me dealing with, you know, in these advertisements or in the, in the magazines. And so for me to be able to have this chance to connect with women all across the world, just because of this platform that I've built feels really special. And so abundance for me is however I can do that in a greater way and continue to impact positive habits and encourage people to be their best self. Uh, on my radar are uh, workshops, whether that means digital or in-person. Obviously, in-person connection is the goal. Uh, so my goal, a uh, big goal of mine for 2020 is to uh, execute my first larger scale hurdle moment workshop. And I've been working a lot on that and it really lights my fire because I know how beautiful it can be when someone feels safe to be vulnerable with other people. And I want to let them know that it's okay and give them a safe space to do that. So for me, abundance is uh, enabling other people to find their own potential or at least seek it and empower them to be the best version of themselves that they can. Wow. It's lights like, my fire. I'm stealing that. <laughs> I'm I got like, you. sign me up for this workshop. <laughs> Let's, I'm go. In. Let's go. I'm in. But Emily, thank you so much for being on. Like, this was really great. It's really awesome talking to someone like you who, you know, I, I always don't like to say has achieved their goals because you're always achieving. You're always growing. And it's, you know, it's always what's next and what you can contribute to society. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Trust me, there's a lot more to go, but I appreciate uh, what you have to say. I appreciate appreciate it so much. And, you know, we're all our own biggest critics, but again, just celebrating the small wins along the way, I think is what keeps me going. And especially when times feel chaotic and hard, uh, the only thing that is certain is that we have the power to influence what happens next. So I'm just doing the best I can with every day. Wow. Well, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Lights my fire. Emily. So good. So, so good. What I really loved about this one, like I really love that smart, smart, smart goal thing. I'd never heard that acronym before, but you have. I love a smart goal. And Miss Emily is ready with a sound bite. She knew what we wanted. Um, Smart goals, if you have never done them before, it's a great way to check boxes, which I'm a big fan of. And it, it really is a great way to set and attain goals. Um, and I'm so glad that she brought it up and I'm so glad that it's something that she uses. Seeing somebody who has accomplished so much so young, it makes you realize that that's something that can work for you. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because we were in a little bit of a lull of interviews, uh, just before we talked to Emily and, you know, you get like tired and like you lose the fire a little bit and the goal getting, you know, feeling. Mm -hmm. And I remember right after we interviewed her, 
oh, I made, I made a checklist. I was like, okay, we got to do this and this it and this. on till the break of dawn. She was really, really good at doing that and lighting that fire. And I mean, talking about attainable goals, you know, I'm bringing it back to us a little bit and your goal of running a marathon. I cannot stand you. (laughs) And I know our audience at this point is very well versed with the fact that Jen is going to run a marathon. But I thought, I want you all to know that you're trash and that I will not do this. And this is not, do not let this become a thing. It, so it is a thing and we are following Emily's instructions and going for attainable goals first in order to reach the big goal of a marathon. You know, it's all about perspective. And uh, in the midst of a national, international pandemic, I am lucky if I walk down my stairs to my apartment. So that's down. Yes, I said down. So everybody needs to leave me alone. So friends, what I'm saying is we're going to sign up for a 5K. (laughs) Okay, that's what we're going to do. Whenever we're allowed to go outside and race, with other people. See the words they're using, race and K. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just saying that our friends, the friends of the podcast, they're with us. Mm. So we're going to run a 5K together. Attainable goal. Let's do it. I'm actually busy that day. Moving <laughs> on, what are your uh, plans for the week? We'll come back to this later. But (laughs) so I registered with Vote Save America and their Adopt-A-State program. I have some reading material to get through so I can start working to help turn Wisconsin blue this fall. What about you? This week, I will be restocking my fridge. Uh, I will be watching RuPaul's Drag Race season 12 again. And I might even like make my bed at some point, (laughs) you know, (laughs) feeling frisky. I'm sure you're going to be making some soup, right? You know, if it's in the cards, you know, if, if, uh, if that's what uh, it, this world sees for me, I may make a batch of soup. Tune in this next week, you know, to see what soup Jen makes. <laughs> but yeah, leave us your questions. If you have any questions for us to answer next week, we will answer them um, at the beginning of the episode. And have a great week, friends. Yes. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Bye. Non-Traditional is produced and edited by me, Anastasia. And our theme song is Wildfire by Esabalu, and you can find it wherever you purchase music. You can find us on Instagram at non, that's N-O-N-E, underscore traditional, and Twitter at TraditionalPod. Subscribe to our newsletter on our website and keep up to date on all things non-traditional. Non-traditional.